0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, I want to pray one more time as I get into the Word. Father, thank you for your Word. I do not depend upon anything but your anointing today. I'm humbled at the opportunity that All these years, you've allowed me to preach your gospel, and today it's no exception. I stand here, Father, humbled and delighted at the joy of delivering the word of God to this people that have an ear to hear and a heart to respond. So, do and say whatever. Needs to be done and said in our lives today. Take us to that higher place in you. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. All right. So we are on the last part of a three-week series that kind of got stretched out to five weeks. And uh, why church? We've been talking about uh, what is the purpose of church? Why church? What is church? Is this building the church? No, this building is not the church. This is brick and stone and lights and electrical stuff. But we, the people of God, those that have been redeemed, those that have come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We make up the body of Christ. We make up the, the, the bride of Christ one day. I believe soon Jesus is going to hear from the Father. It's time to go get your bride. And many of us might be living during that time. Uh, and when Christ comes, he's coming back for his church a bride without spot or wrinkle, a church that is on fire, a church that is alive, a church that represents and looks like him, I believe Jesus is coming back for a bride worthy to be received. I don't have time to use the illustration of marriage again and the groom and the bride and, and uh, how, you know, after 300 weddings, I've never, never done a wedding where uh, when it was time for that bride to bust through those back doors, uh, you know, holding on to the arm of her dad, I, I've just never seen a bride that wasn't prepared. Never seen one that just looked like they, act. oh, oh I forgot, to, oh, today I'm getting married. Yeah, you know, just ran in here and, and hadn't brushed their teeth or put on deodorant in a week and hadn't shaved. And I mean, just, you know, even the father's kind of looking at them. I mean, you just don't see that. But, but oftentimes in the body of Christ, especially in America, uh, we, we, we have been lulled to sleep by the subtle deception of the enemy. And I'm going to do my part to at least wake up the church that I'm responsible for, which is the Rock of Gainesville. So today, I commend you for coming. I, I thank you for being here because I, I believe Holy Spirit has something to say to us today. And, and wherever we are on that journey, some of you today, I believe, will be strengthened encouraged. Some will be edified. Some will be built up. Some will be convicted. Some are going to hear by the Spirit today, and you're going to look at the priorities of your life, and you're going to realize that something's happened since you got saved. You, you've been kind of almost lulled back to sleep in, 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 the, in the place of, of the American church. And, and I believe that God is calling us, I know he's calling me, to be a part of something greater than we've ever known or experienced before in the history of the world. I believe the church is alive and bright and strong and mighty all over the world. And I believe it's time that the church in America wake up and catch hold of all the rest of the church. Because I, I, I'll be honest with you, yeah. there are times when I would rather pastor in Cuba yeah. than in America. Because yep. in Cuba, every time I show up, the church is going to show up. Yeah. They're not off on their 13th vacation of the year, 14 weeks into the year. Church in the house of God and the people of God is not an option. Now understand, I love America and this is my home and this is my city and this is my church, but I am tired of seeing the church lulled to sleep by the subtle deception of the enemy. And we have We have to stir ourselves and shake ourselves and, and, and be willing to ask some hard questions about our own lives. What, what do we believe God's Word has to say about? Every area of my life. Yeah. And wherever my priorities have gotten out of whack, I need to, I need to repent yeah. and get back on that place of the straight and narrow. Yeah. Because Jesus is coming back for a bride that has readied herself. I didn't preach this in the first service. This for, this for me and somebody in the second service. But, but a bride that has readied herself. You can't ready yourself when you're off in all other kind of places of the world on a consistent basis, out of the house of God, away from a time of prayer, away from your devotional, away from prayer groups, away from your connect group, away from a season of worship. You cannot, you cannot have both. And, And, and I want you to know today, I'm not mad at anybody but the devil and I despise the works of darkness. I despise the, the lies of the enemy that have been sold to the church, and, and oftentimes in our lives, every one of us are susceptible to it. Every one of us in the church in America have to battle through certain things that, that I promise you, if you were a part of the church in other nations of the world, they would not even be an option. But they are an option today, and they're our option, and they're our balance. We don't have to face what the church in Cuba has to face, or China has to face, or Russia has to face, or Peru has to face. We have to struggle with the struggles that the church in America has to deal with. And so there's not a grace for us to have to walk through what they're walking through in Cuba. But hear me, there is a grace for you to walk through what you have to do in America. And that is to stir yourself and shake yourself. I believe that every part, every part of the body of Christ, from the youngest to the oldest, is vitally important. That there's not one part that's not important. The parts you see are important. There are parts of our church family this morning right now that you do not see. I hugged one of our couples during our, um, uh, uh, whatever you call our time. In between services, there we go. I'm a little tired, sorry. Uh, but I, I hugged one of our couples that was back there eating. I was just walking around all the tables thanking everybody that was uh, um, having something to eat in between services that have served in the first service. And, and I hugged one of our couples and I said, thanks so much for serving. I could not preach today if it were not for you. And, and, and the husband looked up at me, big smile. And he said, oh, we had a blast this morning. We had six one-year-olds. I'm like, hold it. You and your wife had, no, no, we had, there were three of us. It's like, wow, man, that is one in each arm for an hour and 15 minutes. And, and I was just like grateful. Because yeah. see, I'm here delivering the word of God, but couldn't do it if we had six crying babies. Come on, somebody. Y'all be looking this way, looking that way, wondering where an usher is. Why ain't somebody helping that baby get out of here? Be all distracted. We have people that are all over this building, out on the property, people helping park cars because every part is vital to get to the point where even one person can hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, I need a savior today. I need Jesus to come into my life. Every part is vitally important. So this morning, I want to share a couple of questions and I'm going to read to us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. If not, it'll be on the screen above, but I'm going to do something this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little test today uh, as I read the word, because I want you to really pay attention. And there's four things I want you to look for in these scriptures in just a minute. But before I get to that, I want to ask you this question. Who or what has the most influence in your life? Who or what has the most influence in your life? This might be one of the most important questions you ask yourself because who or what you listen to will determine what you do and who you become. Who you hang out with will determine... What comes out of your mouth? what do you believe in your heart what what do you what are you uh, challenged by what what are you stirred by if you're always hanging out with people that are just like you uh, um, you know in a lot of ways dealing with the same struggles and battles not living life with intention but just intentionally living as it comes uh, you find yourself uh, um, sounding like those that when you back up and look realize maybe they don't sound like Believers, after all. I'm talking to the church this morning because the vast majority of everything Paul ever wrote in the epistles to the church. Peter wrote to the the church. John wrote to the church. James wrote to the church. Oftentimes we read some of these scriptures and we think they must have been talking to the unbelievers. But no, they were talking to the church and they were bringing great warnings, especially for the latter days. Because the word says, Paul declared over and over, man, through the subtle deception of the enemy in the latter days, many will fall away. Many will walk away. Many will be, will be uh, so confused of, of the day and the hour that they're living in. They'll be so consumed with the things of the world that something will have happened from the day when they responded to Christ and the day they find themselves not even knowing if they believe in the Christ any longer. What happens? How do you go from being a believer who surrendered heart, soul, mind, and body to the Lord Jesus Christ? Know that you have been redeemed. Know that God has just saved you. He's cleansed you, man. He's done a work in you. How do you get from there to slipping all the way to the back row and out the door? And like many Americans today, find yourself probably not in church more than once or twice every eight to ten weeks because it's just your habit. And is church really that important anyhow? I mean, the fact that we're even in 2019 asking ourselves how important is the church or whole churches voting on things that are contrary to word of God to decide which way they're going to go. What kind of day are we living in when the word of God is something that we vote on and question, is it really that important anyhow? Is that what he really meant to say? See, God's Word is God's Word. And He does not lie. And His Word does not change. And He is a good God. He's a loving God. He's a gentle God. He's a long-suffering God. He's a merciful God. But He's still God. And every one of us, one day, will stand and give an account for our lives and our actions. Many believers today in the church in America argue that church attendance on a weekly basis is not really that important anyhow. They think that they can make it on their own. When Jedediah Thurner was here a couple of months ago and, and brought that powerful word to our church, and in the midst of it, he made the statement that, that the, the lie of the enemy, the, the subtle deception of the enemy is to get you thinking that you can make it on your own. You think you can make it all by yourself, and you find yourself isolated out there. And I'm telling you, when you isolate yourself, you become a target for the enemy to destroy your life. So this morning, I want to I use Hebrews chapter 10, six verses. I'm going to read them out loud. And as I do, I want you to, you can look at the scriptures or you can look at it on, on your Bible or on your smartphone, but I want you to look for four words when I am reading Hebrews chapter six, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Six, uh, four words in these six verses. The first word is the word us. The second word is the word we. The third word is the word are. And the fourth word is the word I. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Us, we, our, and I see what the word has to say. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So in those six verses, the words we, us, "are," and I. How many times was the word us? Four How many times was the word we? Two. How many times was the word our? Three. And how many times was the word I? Not one. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying that what the writer of Hebrew was saying was we and us and our are really important. But I... I, isolated, will get you killed. Isolation will get you killed. See, the enemy, if he can get you to think there's something more important on a weekly basis than his word, prayer time, worship time, and the gathering of the saints, Either in corporate worship on Sundays or in your small groups day to day throughout the city in our connect groups meeting so that we can be built up, encouraged, challenged. Listen here. I think I just read this. And let us stir up one another. To what? To anger? No. To watch more bad news? No. To fill our minds with more negative stuff? No. No. But stir up one another to love, come on, and good works. We got to stir, and listen, you can't stir up somebody to do good works if all your full love is negativism. Just, I want to confess something to you. Since January 1, when I called our house to 21 days of prayer and fasting, it was life changing in our house. God said three things He said, seek to hear my voice. He said, ask me for my presence to fill the place every time you gather corporately and ask for lost people to be saved. We know that through the booklet that we taught out, pray first, that we, we've been challenged this year by God to, to, to really begin to prioritize and make sure that every day we're disciplining our life, we're making it a priority, that I'm going to pray first before I make any little decision, big decision, medium decision, before I run out and try to do something on my own, I'm going to pause, I'm going to pray. Because prayer will change your life. Prayer will will stop you on your way to the divorce court. Prayer will cause you to to love big. Prayer will, will challenge you to hunger, to hear the voice of God. Say, yes. so I, I haven't heard God. Well, all you got to do is get in his word open and start reading it and you're going to hear God. Yes. You're going to hear how much he loves you. You're going you're to hear how merciful he is. <laughs> you deserved hell. Yeah. And he gave you heaven. Right. If that's not hearing God, what is? You, you were messed up. And God began to heal your heart and your mind, and your emotions. But I, I will get you in trouble because it, it, it messes with our mindset of what is important and what is not. As I said earlier, the church in, in Cuba and China and Russia and Peru and Honduras and, and so many nations of the world, uh, um, they, they do not suffer with the problems we suffer with. See, we suffer with too much, yeah. abundance, yeah. more than enough. We love to quote the scripture, man, I love my daddy. He's daddy more than enough. He is, but what if he wants, to, what if he wants you to give it away? How about it? Then is he still daddy more than enough? Yep. You know, what if he's calling you to live a life of sacrifice? See, the, the bottom line is we, we got to hear what God's saying to us. The, the church in Cuba, the idea that they, they would have Sunday show up and they'll not gather, that's crazy. Why? Because that's all they have. They have the body of Christ, and man, they don't have social uh, media. They don't have Facebook. They don't have any television worth watching. They, they, they have no places to go in vacation for weeks at a time and no money to get there. And so what do they do? They run to the house of God where everything they have need of is met through the body of Christ. And most of you would say, wow, I pray for the church in Cuba. I'm glad I live in America. And, and guess what? I'm glad I live in America. But to whom much is given. Come on, somebody, to whom much is given, much is required. We we can't have all the blessing of God without walking in obedience to all that he's calling us to do and to be. To give our lives. To to live our lives. This is one of the things I want to challenge you today is is to start thinking about living every part of your life intentionally. I mean, if you're going to vacation, vacation with intention. Man, put it on your calendar, set a time, make a place, find a place to go rest, find a place where you and your family can enjoy some downtime. But don't let it be every other weekend of the year. Don't stay out of the house of God because you've finally gotten into a place where you can afford to stay out of the house of God. Because hear me, if you think you can afford to stay out of the house of God, you don't know how poor you are. Amen. You don't. We are desperate for the people of God. Desperate for relationships, connecting one with another, because it's in that connecting. It's in that being joined, where we find out that that there are parts of us that we didn't even know how important they were. Go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read there in just a moment, starting with verse 12. I want to get to this before the time gets too short, but You know, so the question, what is the importance of making the house of God a priority on a weekly basis? The greatest reason, there's a lot of reasons, but the greatest reason is God said so. See, the church is God's idea. House of God, that's God's idea. Us gathering on a weekly basis, that's God's idea. We can get a lot out of our prayer time, out of our a prayer closet time, out of our private worship time, but there are some things in corporate worship you're never going to get when you're alone. Right. Now hear me, boy, do you need those alone times. Right. Amen? You got to have a prayer closet. You got to have, my prayer closet is a long road. Okay, your prayer closet doesn't mean you actually go into a closet and spread the clothes out and sit down in a chair, you know. If you need that, then do it. My prayer closet is normally a long road, and I do prayer walks. Because I like being outside. I, if I could eat every meal outside, if I could sleep outside, I'd, I'd sleep outside. I, I, there's something about the beauty of God's creation. But my prayer closet is a place of walking, and so I find myself walking, and in that, in that walking time, in that prayer time, man, it's vital, but I'm telling you something, there's something else vital, it's about corporate prayer and intercession, when the saints gather together on Sunday mornings here at 8.45, on Tuesday mornings at 6.15, there's something about hearing other people pray, and pray in faith, and go, wow, I wish I'd have prayed that prayer, that was powerful. I mean, just being encouraged by other prayers, being encouraged by coming together corporately, things will happen that will never happen in your private life, even though in your private life is vitally important. you got to have time every day in the Word of God. And for any of you that, that have a hard time disciplining yourself, find some system that will work for you. How many of you use version of the Bible? Let me see. On your phones, you, you use version, In version of the Bible... You go to it, it's a free app. Millions of people use it. And every single day it gives you a verse of the day, which I read because I, I love verses of the day. Man, i read yours, mine, everybody else's. i read it, meditate on it. Sometimes the Lord really will even speak out of a verse of the day. But it's the first thing I do in the morning when I get up is I open my phone and I go to Version, and that first verse pops out. But when it does, it also tells you how many weeks you've read the Word consistently and how many days you've read it. Now, some of you say, well, I, 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 you know, that's law right there. I don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. No, 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 we're called to get in the word every day. And if you can use a resource that will help you, like one day in my connect group, I was sitting with 12 men and we were talking about it. And I was laughing. I was talking about how when I was in Cuba this last trip a couple of months ago, uh, I love it because when I'm overseas and I'm not even online, it still works. And, and yet one day I preach for hours. And that morning I got up and I, I, I had my prayer time and, and, I, and I didn't grab my phone, and I went out and I preached for hours, I read the word, preached the word, prayed the word, And then the next day, when I opened up my U version of the phone, it's day one. Oh my gosh, I was so mad. I was like, "That's not fair. <laughs> I prayed yesterday. I read my Bible yesterday. And, and I was telling this story to a bunch of my guys, and one of them said, and all of a sudden there was chatter at the other end of the room, and somebody said something, and, and so one of the guys raised his phone, and he says, I'm like at 385 days, I, everybody slapped him, they just, you know, so I, like, yeah, but are you just opening it up, or are you actually reading it? And, and, and he said, no, Pastor, he said, it's changed my life. Yeah. Look, I knew this young man before he gave his heart to Jesus. And I see the husband who he is today and the father he is today. And you go, "What, what made a difference? God and God's word made a difference. It'll make a difference in your life. Find something that'll work for you. That'll help you to be disciplined to get in that word every single day. Now I want to read you this. First Corinthians chapter 12. I love this. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He's talking about the necessity of the body of Christ. And he just says some powerful things here. So verse 12 says this for just as the body is one, how, how big is the body? It's one, but it has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Now, let me ask you, let me pause and ask you a question. How many of you are thankful to God for your eyes? Let me see. But how many of you are glad you're not reduced to just an eyeball? Wouldn't that be like weird, 400 eyeballs sitting in the room here, just bouncing off of each other? That would just be like so weird. Why? Because what's the need of an eye without a body? To direct the eye to. Yeah. Right? right? Every part yes. is vitally important. Right. So the eye cannot say, well, because you're not. Because we are. See, if the whole body, verse 17, were near, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. See, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, then the whole body rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And I want to say to us as we wrap up this series, I want to ask you to consider the necessity of living the rest of your life intentionally. Meaning you're going to seek first the kingdom of God for every aspect of your life. Your husband, your wife, your children, your family, your finances, where you live what you do, where you shop, how you shop, where you vacation, why you vacation there, what your purpose is. Because of the necessity and the importance of making sure that our lives line up with God's plan. Because we are His. We do not belong to ourselves any longer. Not as believers. Say all that you want. Man, get all boastful and proud about who you are. But the reality is anything good in you and I is of God. And everything belongs to Him. And therefore, if my life and body and mind and soul belong to God, then should I not seek God's direction and covering? Literally for all that I do. So that I can be faithful, not only in the big things, but I can be faithful in the little things. And recognizing that, that that my part is vitally important and, and your part is vitally important. And, and when we come together as the church of Jesus Christ, when many of our parts are not here because it's become their consistent uh, um, um, plan to not any longer be a part, all of a sudden the body is hurting because it's no longer whole. When one of us rejoices, a sister in our house lost her job a, a while back, a few months ago, and and. Uh, And the minute she she came and told me, and and I told her I'd pray, I, I, I spoke a word. I said, God's got something better for you. Last week, she grabbed me and told me, she said, Pastor, she said, I have two great job offers. I get to choose. I said, just pray first. Choose what God has. But you know what? Immediately, man, as much as I hurt with her when I heard that she had lost, nobody likes to lose a job. Man, no, nobody likes to be a career person that's giving yourself, and then all of a sudden your company, for whatever reason, just decides they're going to downsize, and, and you get the slip. Man, that, that's, not a good, that's not a feel-good day. But you know what? When you got the body of Christ wrapped around you, man, all of a sudden you're just encouraged. Yeah, you're hurting a little bit, but you're not hurting like you were before you walked in this place. Why? Because people are there helping. Man, we, we have people in the hospital and, and when we find out about it, man, the body just rises up. We we feed more people around here. We You have a baby, we just will feed you forever. No, that's not a reason to have a baby. But, uh, I, I mean, we help take care of people. When somebody's struggling, man, we immediately, we're, we're looking. Who, who is the best one that can step up and really help in this area? I was asked this week about one of our precious women of God in our house, Miss Marianne Thompson Hill, and I close with this. Miss Mary Ann came in our church years and years ago, and uh, she only had one living relative left in her life, and it was her brother. And when she came to our house, I don't remember all the exact details, but when she came to our house, her, her brother had gotten very sick and he was dying. And I was leaving the country and, when her when her when her brother passed, and, and I ne- never forget, I picked up the phone and I called Miss Chris. Now Mary Ann is a white lady, and and Miss Chris is a black lady who was my secretary for a long time and still serves our house faithfully. But I I, I called Miss Chris. I said, Miss Chris, do you know? Did you meet this new lady? And she had not met her. And I said, could, could you could you just see what you can do to help her? She's going through situations. Pastor Tad was there. Some of the pastors. And Miss Chris. Man, puts everything aside, gets Miss Marianne, drives to another town where they were having to take care of arrangements, arrangement and just do all of this stuff. And a year or so ago, I heard Miss Marianne telling her testimony to some other people. And I just like a busybody, you know, just had to hear it again. I just stood over to the side so I could just hear her story and how she began to talk about the, the rock. It's her family that literally, we are the only family that she has in the world. But you know what? I don't feel sorry for Ms. Marianne. That she, man, she's got us. And you know what? Us is pretty good. I mean, us is pretty good. The family of God's pretty good. We're, we're a loving, hugging people. And Ms. Marianne, she is, a, she is a serving maniac. Man, you just walk onto this property. There she is back there. See, she's probably mad at me right now because I'm telling her story. But Ms. Marianne, I just walk in the door. And, and Ms. Marianne, she's coming at you. If she sees you, she's coming for you. You might as well just get ready, and she don't want none of this pampy, you know, sissy mumbo jumbo baby hug stuff. She she wants a hug, and man, Miss Marianne volunteers in our mission all the time, and I walk through those doors and I know, man, I don't care what kind of day it's going to be, I'm about to get me a hug from Miss Marianne. There's something about when the body rises up for one another. We need each other, and we need to as families. In a church unit, we need to make sure that we do not buy into the lies of what the enemy is selling the church in America. Individually, corporately, families, and as a corporate body, we have to reject and say, you know what? I'm going to find out what God's wanting for me. What, what is his priority for my life and for us as a church? And by the, by the grace of God and by the best of my ability, when I hear Holy Spirit, I'm going to lead our house in that direction. I'm, I'm not going to be ashamed to stand. I'm not going to be ashamed to say to a family in my church when I realize they've been gone, just gone constantly, ask them a question, are you okay with Jesus? Because obviously something's, something's amiss in your life. See, w- we got to love each other enough to be real with each other. you got to have people that love you enough that just don't always agree with you and want to go off with you. But will challenge you to maybe stay home a little Be more faithful. Start a new connect group. Find your place. We need each other. Isolation, you'll become a marked person by the enemy. But when you reach out, I'm telling you, there is hope through the body of Christ. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you so much today for the joy of just wrapping up this series and reminding all of us of what your word says about us, what you've called us to. What you called us to be, how you called us to love, how you called us to be faithful, how you called us to be committed, how you called us to stir up one another to love and to good works, how you called us to stir up and remind each other how important it is to be faithful in the house of God in the body of Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you for people that truly are hungry to hear and to know your voice. To be what you've called us to be. In each of our lives, I pray today, wherever our priorities have gotten a little bit out of whack, Holy Spirit, I invite you, bring conviction, challenge, whatever, whatever it takes, Father, to keep us on the straight and the narrow in which you've called us to live. Help us. Because we truly want to walk out and see the latter days of our life greater than the former days. Because that is the promise of your word. I thank you for this church. Thank you for this people, Father, that love you and love one another. Help us when we fail to get up and and to straighten up and to make up and do whatever we got to do to make those things right. Thank you that when we fell, you don't beat us up, but you lovingly convict us back to the place of repentance. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And Father, I pray for those in this house today, those that are watching online today that don't know you. They're not a part of the church. They, they haven't found their part. They haven't found their place. They don't know if they're the eye or the ear or the heart or the kidney or the liver. They, they don't know who they are in Christ today because they've never surrendered to you. And yet today, you're stirring, you're knocking on their heart's door, you're you're, you're wanting them to open up so that you, Jesus, can come into their lives and do what you've already accomplished, and that is fulfill, fulfill the, the plans of God so that they can be saved, that they can receive Jesus as Lord of their life. This morning, with every head bowed, believers are praying. Those of you that are watching online, you can respond, you can call in, you can text in those that are sitting in this room this morning, I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done in your past, he's already made a way for you to be forgiven. He's already died so that you could live. But it takes a choice on your part, a decision to say, I'm going to put God first in my life. I'm going to invite Jesus to be Lord of my life. This morning, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand and let me lead you in a simple prayer this morning and invite Christ into your life? Yes, dear, God bless you. It's it's, it's the biggest single decision you'll ever make in your life surrendering to Jesus Christ. And it's a tough decision. Because you're saying, I'm willing to die to me, to let Christ live through me. But what a day. What a day of opportunity. Anyone else want to join with this one? All right, I want to invite the whole congregation right where you're seated to pray this simple prayer with me this morning. Father God, thank you for loving me first. Even in my sin, you love me. Thank you for giving me Jesus. Jesus, I invite you today into my life. I surrender my whole life, my mind, my soul, my being. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. And today, I'm choosing you to be Lord of my life, and to be my Savior. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.